All right. Hi, everybody. This is A7X fan Ben. This is Pirate CSG podcast number 45, and we have an extremely special guest today. Welcome aboard the ship for today, uh, Tiffany O'Brien, former WizKids uh, product manager. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. So you're our fourth guest that used to work at WizKids, so it's going to be interesting to hear even more insight on how uh, how things developed and how things went along when the game was still in print over over 10 years ago now. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it really has been a long time. Yep. So I apologize in advance if I don't remember everything. Yeah, that's totally fine. Very understandable, to say the least. So uh, first question, just a general one. When did you get involved with Pirate CSG? Well, I was at WizKids uh, when it started, but the first brand manager was Terry Corral. Yep. And so I was working for Terry um, as an assistant brand manager. And I think she handed it over to me, uh, maybe Re Revolutions, mm -hmm. somewhere between Revolutions and uh, Crimson, Crimson Coast. Yep. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> Nice. That's when I was like hands on, all hands on deck, I guess. Yeah. So like 2005, basically. Nice. That's really interesting. Uh, so you had, so you probably talked to Jordan Wiseman before the game was released about kind of the inspiration behind it. I heard on some of the previous podcasts about how Pirates of the Caribbean was a huge reason for that. Um, it was such a cultural phenomenon at the time. So. Sure. I mean, we were having huge parties for. <laughs> pirates um especially for jordan's kids and everything um so it was definitely something that we all fell in love with and he's always loved pirates so yeah and i sure. think uh you know we were doing a lot of hero clicks and they had you know they're starting to work for tops and pirates was something that jordan really believed in and I think he just had to convince everyone else that it was going to be um, a good a good game to take a chance on, right? Yep. Yeah. Because exactly. it was a wide, uh, a big leap from what WizKids was doing at the time. Yep. Exactly. What was your involvement involvement with WizKids like in terms of like day to day, what you did for the game, things like that? Uh, well, when I uh, first started at WizKids, I was like the assistant to the assistant to the CEO, mm -hmm. um, and then <laughs> right out of college. And I think I just volunteered to help everywhere I could at WizKids. Um, and I think for one summer, I did cold calling. Uh, and then um, eventually, I started talking to everybody within the company to find out what they did and uh, eventually decided that I wanted to be a brand manager because I thought that was really a fun place to be. And so um, I started working on, uh, I don't know if you remember MLB sports clicks Sounds and my first, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my first like on my own project was Soro. And then um, from there I started working on pirates. So yeah, um, it was great. I mean, WizKids was always awesome because it's kind of a smaller company and it really felt like family. Like we were all, um, a lot of people that started at work, working at WizKids, it was one of their first jobs. Um, and if it wasn't their first job, it was certainly uh, one of their first places where they really made really awesome friendships. Like I'm still friends with most people that were, um, I worked with at WizKids. So it was great. Yeah. I love that. Uh, what marketing and branding work did you do for Pirates CSG? So I was the brand manager. So, um, I worked with all of the teams kind of, uh, coordinating with everyone and, figuring out on the business development side what we should do. Um, and so I worked with everyone on the marketing teams, the game design teams, the art team, uh, to put it all together as a cohesive program. So um, I helped uh, Shane Hartley and whoever was working on the art side to figure out what the ads would be like. Um, and for marketing, I think it was 
uh, Jason Michael and Jenny were the big, um, you know, uh, people in marketing, but there wasn't, it's not a big team, right? Yeah. We all kind of worked together and worked on everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Jason Michael on like two episodes ago. So it was, that was a really interesting conversation I had with him. It was nice. Um, so what other designers and artists did we, you work with? I heard you talk about artists like maybe Sandra Garavito and, of course, um, some of the game designers like Mike Mulvihill probably over the years, too. Yeah, um, Mike Mulvihill and I work. Um, he's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> have you met Mike yet? Or no, not yet. I've tried to so far, uh, but not so far. <laughs> Uh, Grizzle's veteran game designer, Mike Mulvihill. Uh, he's awesome. Um, and he's he worked on all of the the actual game design as far as um, stats and the story elements of it. Uh, and then Ethan Pasternak, who is a designer. He's a game designer, but he also has um, this incredible brain that can visualize things in 3d right so he was the one that figured out how the ships would all go together um and uh yeah those are those are the main game designers Mm -hmm. uh yeah Yeah. awesome (laughs) i don't know (laughs) no that absolutely yeah that was great uh this one is I understand that maybe nobody knows this basically, but do you have any knowledge on where the ships were made? Um, like in China, like the factory location or company name that owned the factory or anything like that? You know where they were made. I definitely can't tell you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. I uh, think it was a good idea for WizKids to dive more into the fantasy concepts as the game went on, or do you think they should have kept the game more historical? I love the fantasy stuff. Um, so I guess if people don't like that, that's um, partially I'm to blame on that. <laughs> but I think you, know, you had to, um, you know, as a team, we would brainstorm what would be the most fun game for people to play, right? And you can only do so much if you're going to do historical, if you're going to stick to historical things. And so going on the fringes, uh was fun for us and hopefully fun for everyone else. Yeah. No, I love the historical stuff more than anything, but I've actually warmed up to the fantasy stuff a lot over the years. And even some of the, some of the wackier ships in the later sets, like uh, some of the switchblades, that ship type is actually a lot of fun to use. So yeah. Yeah. And then on that track, I'm actually going (laughs) to skip ahead. Oh no. What were you going to say? Oh, I just, you know, like as, as you went on, you, you also needed to make things different. Right. So, um, we, we were kind of forced to be more creative as time went on. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then on that note, uh, why did WizKids have to shy away from using more historical ships and figures in the game? Was it because of the potential for lawsuits, like from ancestors of like historical figures, maybe? I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we did shy away from historical figures. Most, um, most of the, most things are public domain, right? So, um, it's, it's easier for you to choose people for, from public domain. That's also why when we did high stakes drifter, we used a lot of historical people and actually their old photographs because it was an easier path. Yep. Interesting. I don't know, easier, definitely easy, right? Um, (laughs) And adding some of our own lore as it went on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I did like how uh, in the Fire and Steel set, the second to last set, they had the historical pack at the end of like limited edition ships like Blackbeard and the Queen Anne's Revenge and Bartholomew Robbins. I like, yeah, that was one of my favorite uh, packs in the game. It was really cool. And then... uh, did you ever play or have involvement with the Sony Online Entertainment digital version of the game? Um, I forget when we did that. Um, I think uh, James Shubsky was my manager at the time, um, and we had talked a lot about um, how it was a great opportunity so that people could um, could get involved even if they couldn't get the physical packs, but also it allows just a broader audience, 
And so you could have people play online and then play in person and then have a, a cycle that way. Um, it was just a, a great way to build community and a fan base. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I wish it was still around. It shut down in 2011, but, um, but yeah, I never got to play it. I came, I kind of, I got into the game in 05, but then I came back to it like 2011 right after it shut down. But, and there's actually, there's another podcast from 2009 of some of the online players, some of the more passionate and consistent players that I was listening to yesterday. So it's pretty sweet. Um, and they're actually in the Facebook group. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, do you remember a favorite game piece you worked on or just a fame, even if it's just a favorite game piece in general? Um, I really liked the Nautilus ships. Yep. Yeah. Submarines from, I think it was mysterious. Yep. Yeah. Um, those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I think mysterious islands altogether was one of my favorites. Yep. Um, I, I think, uh, the packaging was really fun. Um, I finally got a game piece in it. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so it had to be my favorite. I don't know. Yeah. No, that uh, yeah. Sense. That was. One. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's actually, you kind of did like an unintentional segue. Cause the next question is uh, what's, oh. what's the story with Eileen uh, Bridget O'Brien from MI? Well, <laughs> um, well, it's my name, but without Tiffany on it. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, did a picture of me, which is very cool. And, uh, you know, like, I think I've, I always wanted to be a game piece. I tried to get into Mage Knight. They, and I did not make it. <laughs> like, come on. You just want to make me a game piece. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, you know, like you just hang out with the sculptors. Come on, guys. Don't you just, doesn't this work? Doesn't this face work? So, um, Mike Mulvihill, uh, maybe he ran out of things to do. I don't know, but he let me be a game piece. And then I think, um, uh, Shana Dorr, who was the, uh, events manager, she's in Frozen North. Oh yeah. I think there was a couple of kind of got ourselves into the game. Nice. Yeah. You just gotta, I don't know, (laughs) be really nice to Mike Mulvihill for like several years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. No, I think it's really funny and cool. I didn't know Shana was uh, was from real life as well, but it's fun to hear stuff like that. Um, yeah, Jason Michael talked about how with the flavor text and with some of the named crew names, he actually, some of those were like names of friends and things like that, or ships would be like places he visited and things like that. So it makes a lot of sense yeah. though. So, um, And then you actually came he back. did that with... <laughs> what was that? Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, you came back. And, uh, uh, they did it with Rocketman, too. Which set? Uh, go ahead. You go first. Oh, no, you go. It was just breaking up over here. That's all. Um. So for Rocketman, do you remember that? Rocket, Rocketman. I've heard did of you it. Play that at all? I haven't played it. I've just heard of it. It was like pretty much everyone in our family were like thrown into <laughs> the game nice. um, in some way, shape or form. So it was really fun. Yeah. And then you actually came back in Savage Shores. So you got two crew out of the deal. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> really running out of things. In the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you got, well, and you're also linked to the, the Celtic Fury at 10 Masters. So you got, you got some serious. No. You got some serious ammo in the game. If you ever, maybe <laughs> I've actually theorized about how uh, if, if virtual reality takes off in the next like 20, 30 years, um, if we had a virtual version of pirates, you could plug yourself into the game and you would really have a lot of good ammo to oh, meet yeah. other players with. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite ship type, like a switchblade uh-huh. or like a two-masted square rigged or like a giant squid? things like that um hmm the gigantic like gishuan ships were super cool nice um and i forget which one it was was it like it was like an icebreaker where they were kind of came down on the ice Mm -hmm. do you remember what was that one called yeah icebreaker is the ship type name and the keyword name do you remember yeah absolutely And then the, yeah, okay, the 10 sweet. Mas- that, that one was super fun. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, the Ten Masters, Jason Michael said the Ten Masters were his favorite too. Those are one of my favorites. Yeah. Very nice. Just then, insane. What was that? <laughs> they were insane. They were insane. And also I got to do that marketing thing where it was like, get you a Gishuan. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know you can still it's funny because uh once in a while someone in the pirates community will come on and say you know, I opened this pack and it says you can send in 12 pack wrappers and get a Zeus, like, or, and then they, they wish they were still doing that. Um, of course, it's long gone, but you could, like, do the mail-in oh. to get the Zeus 10 Master, stuff like that. So some people want to, still trying to get, like, the mail-in ships, like, 10 years after. So it's pretty funny. I think Jason Michael asked me if I had any of them, and I, I looked, but I kept, like, full sets of things. And I kept like certain, sh- you know, certain packs because I thought that they were cool. But I didn't. I don't know what I did with all of my my. I thought I had from my desk like a big stack of all the extra pieces, but I don't know what happened to them. Yeah, I looked recently because Jason was like, "I'm looking for all these things." I'm like, "Well, if I have them, you can have them." <laughs> but I, I don't know. Yeah. They got lost. Yeah, interesting. That's interesting to know. Um, yeah, I'll skip ahead to that question. So you do still have a collection of pirate stuff. You have, do you have most of the complete sets, probably? I think I have all the complete sets, yeah. Nice. Um, I didn't... I, I think of all the things that I kept from WizKids, I kept all of the pirate stuff because it was what I worked on the most, right? Um that and my, I have like original Soro boxes where I had everybody sign them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kept that stuff. Uh, and then, and it took up less room than some of the Hero Clicks will Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, especially unpunched ships, you know. Uh, yeah, I- and I, I played a lot with my nephews, you know, like I had full, certain things. So, you know, we had game packs and I taught them how to play nice. probably before they were ready to because <laughs> they were little. I should have waited until they were a little older. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, that's awesome, though, that you taught some players, too. Yeah, I got into the game when I was about 10 and uh, I've loved it, loved it ever since. I had a little hiatus, but then I've come back and been more passionate past like four or five years than I ever was back then. Uh, do you have any extremely rare stuff like the Obago Deuce or prototypes and stuff like that? I definitely have um, some prototypes, um, like just white. Uh, well, what I have is uncut sheets yeah. of um, pirates and um, I. a lot of the ones that I kept were the ones that had like... I don't know, certain ships that I thought were cool or, you know, the um, the one that had my face on it, had Shana's face on it. Yep. <laughs> like, I kept some of those. Um, and then I think I have, like, there was some convention where we had prizes and we framed um, Pirates of the Spanish Main ships and we had Jordan and Mike sign them. So I have a couple of those. Um, I don't know, whatever was at my desk, I packed up my whole desk and, um, it, it's sitting in a box that says WizKids desk. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Um, uh, do you have any, uh, ships in a bottle? I don't know if you remember that, that kind of never got released properly, or at least WizKids got shut down before it was really going to be public anyway. Yeah. I can... So I don't know if we make them mm-hmm. yeah i can kind of elaborate remember like, if we made it yeah basically um there were two i think i'm pretty sure it was after the game closed shut down um basically a couple showed up i think both were on ebay like a siob ship in a bottle and uh the collector old man in germany he's like a super passionate collector he has like best collection <laughs> ever outside of maybe you or other game designers that have stuff that are like one of ones like the prototypes but basically there's two like ships in a bottle that are theorized to be like prototypes because nobody else has any and like they've never shown up so he has two and they're supposedly um could have been four because they were like fire and steel special edition ships so 
we've theorized that there could be two more out there, um, but we don't really the know. Ones that they were supposed we were supposed to do like if you collected a certain amount, or were we doing? Were we packing them into something else? Do you remember? I think it was it was a box basically because you uh, old man has the pictures and it looks like something that was going to be released normally, but uh, the game got shut down before you know, in November 2008, got, it got shut down before they could actually release it to the public for selling. So it seems like it's basically a box yeah. with, like, it looks like the, a graphic of a bottle, and then there's, like, a special edition shipped inside, and then there's some packs that come with it, too. But, like, so far, only two have ever shown up, and they seem like like one-of-one one prototypes, essentially. I don't know. I It just reminds... It sounds like one of those ideas I had at the very end yeah, <laughs> where we were repacking things, <laughs> so I don't know if we finally did it. How much we did? We might have just done a prototype of it then. Yeah, because um, I know we also. I was doing. Um, we were trying to repack a bunch of things also and add ships to it, and so there were um, like tins. They were treasure chest tins. And so they had older product in them. And then we made special ships that you could collect if you got the tins. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got one of those. I don't know if there was going to be another one. One of them was like Rise of the Fiends uh, treasure chest tin where you could get one of the mega card ships in it. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got one of those. And then I remember seeing something about like a admiral pack or something like that where it would have like one pack of every set ever released but that didn't come out either because it was too late at the time it was really abrupt how they they shut down with kids like all of a sudden so yeah it was super abrupt. <laughs> it was what do you say so i think um, it, was, it was super abrupt right so um we were kind of there were a couple things towards the end of the life of pirates uh one of the things was like the cost of um, just to make styrene started to become cost prohibitive, right? And so we were trying to do certain things um, to make it more cost effective. Like, can you do um, instead of having a pack that had a styrene card for um, for characters, could you make that maybe cardboard or something like that? But Ultimately, it didn't really make sense because of the way the tooling worked. It was easier just to make the full thing. Um, so there were a couple of things that we were trying to to deal with cost-wise to make it um, just profitable. Uh -huh. um, and I think that was just the timing. Like, gas prices were crazy high. And so um, that was one of the things that we were struggling with. And then... Um, WizKids was restructuring. And so, um, I don't know, <laughs> like eventually it just, uh, I was like, I think I was laid off, but then asked to stay for another four months. And then, um, my last day happened and it, the whole WizKids shut down a week later. So I like to say that they couldn't survive without me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That's not really true, but you know, it it is the facts. Yep. <laughs> um, and so they had to, um, so they kind of had to pack up, and then um, they had to pack up the whole office, and there was a, a there wasn't that many people left that had to pack that up, and then it got switched over. So I don't think they knew whether or not they were going to keep going with WizKids or if they were going to sell WizKids. So um, just even who was there and who, who remembered to, you know, copy all the files and, you know, stuff like that. I don't know what people did <laughs> in those last days. Right. So, um, it was pretty abrupt. I think it was abrupt for everyone. And then when I think there have been a couple of times where, um, current whiz kids have thought about, um, launching it again or doing things again. And I think, I don't know what their business is right now. Right. But, um, you know, you'd probably have to start over. I'd, they probably don't have the tooling and everything. I don't know what happened to the tooling. And so starting from scratch would be really hard. I would think. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what people have theorized about, about how the dyes over in China are probably long gone. Um, so you got to start up like a, essentially some kind of big printing press again would, right. would be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And Mike, Mike sounds Well, we were able to, I think it was like two new toolings each, each set. Right. So by the end you had all these different ship types and it was really, um, you could really have a really fun set. Um, but they didn't, I don't know how you, in order to do it again, you'd have to, you know, go back to square one. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's I would think. Good, yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Cause fire and steel and Savage Shores both had a pretty wide variety of ship types, which is fun to, you know, pull packs and get all sorts of goodies coming out of there. Yeah. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, I know someone talked to, I want to say Lax Chandra. I think they got a message back from him a long time ago, like 2010 or 11 about how the styrene format of the cards is too cost prohibitive to produce. So it's good to hear, you know, more, more evidence of that being the case. So, and it, it is interesting because it, it MSRP for like three ninety nine a pack and you get quite a lot in each pack and all the ships are nice. I think they're reasonably durable. The styrene is pretty thick and the ships look great with all the artwork and the paint on them. So I think if it was relaunched, I don't think $4 a pack would be feasible even in a good economy, at least it doesn't, it doesn't really seem like it to me at least. But. Yeah. I mean, I haven't played around with um, costing in a long time, so yep. I wouldn't know um, yeah, specifically fine. what the costs are right now. Okay. I would imagine that, but at the time it was kind of the perfect game. Yep. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> like the fact that it was so easy to get into and, um, it really just had a, such a low barrier to entry. And so you really could play with anybody. I think um, the thing that was most frustrating to me was how easily you could break the ships. It, you know, it, it was, you know, it's almost heartbreaking. Like if you, yeah. if you broke the ship, like you can't really replace it, you know, so you had to be really careful about taking it in and out. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. That, that is a you complaint got, other people. What was that? Sorry. Yeah. If you broke a ship, like it'd be heartbreaking, right? Because you, yeah. you're like, oh, my rare ship. Yep. I had that. Exact you start experience. gluing things. Yep. I've had that experience, uh, especially as a kid, because then you're a little more clumsy and I wasn't exper as experienced with building the ships. So that what it was definitely heartbreaking. Yeah. I got really sad about it. So now I'm kind of. I have like a weirdly different perspective because I've played so much and I've taken the mast out and put them back in so many times that I've built, I would say probably around 800, maybe more total ships. So now I'm so experienced with it that, um, that I don't, um, I'm like farther away in terms of perspective from having, uh, to deal with like broken ships, but I realize it's a problem. And definitely if somebody, if we were to try to restart it at some point, you definitely want to look into other, materials and other people have talked about that a little bit but i don't know it seems like the styrene cards are probably about as sturdy as it would be um at least in yeah. general so that's another thing where um advancing technologies i think could hold a promising future for the game between like 3d printing and potentially like better plastics or something even if it's 20 years out you know better materials in the future might help the game come back in a long time or or whatever or maybe not but yeah I agree it was a perfect game because uh, collect collectible games and collectible miniatures game were more popular back then and of course you had the parts of the Caribbean wave to ride for you know half a decade so it was it was really the perfect storm in a lot of ways so. yeah. and then do you know anything yeah. of, oh sorry you go ahead no go ahead okay uh, do you know anything about, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, it's Vale Ohm, it's like old man in French, and it was like a sea dragon that was kind of scrapped from a set, um, and based on that old man collector, I guess. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if there's a prototype out there, or if you know anything about that game piece. No, I, uh, <laughs> I asked, <laughs> I asked Jordan about that yesterday, wow. and he thought that... He still had one, but he couldn't really remember what it was. Um, 
I couldn't remember what it was at all because I saw your questions. Yeah. And then we were like, maybe it is worth something. Maybe one of us should find it in our like in our storage unit. So yeah. I don't know. I couldn't remember it. Okay. Yep. That is interesting. I'll have to try to get in contact with Jordan about that. This is kind of a long-running collecting mystery. Um, and there's not supposed to be one out there, sort of, but it's kind of been theorized that there could be a prototype. So what were some of your ideas that never made it into the game, if you can remember? can't remember. Um, yes. I have no idea. It was too long ago. And usually if we had a good idea, it got in, right? <laughs> so, because um, we would just, usually before a set, um, Mike Mulvihill would take some time and we just, I, I'd be like the sounding board and he would just, we just go bounce, bounce things back and forth. And, um, and then we just made, I mean, it was easy, you know, it was fun because you could kind of make whatever you wanted to. Um, so eventually, even as we were working on other games, um, Pirates was, in my opinion, a nice thing to work on because it was fun uh, and it was kind of working its way through. So I don't remember anything that we wanted to make and we couldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially with 13 sets uh, that were released, you had ample opportunity to include all sorts of stuff including some of the employees. Yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> um, what, are, yeah. what are your favorite memories of Pirate CSG? Um, uh, I think it was super fun when, uh, for one of the Gen Cons, I think, <laughs> Jordan was like, let's just make a mask and we'll just bring it to Gen Con. And so we made the mast in the driveway and then <laughs> like shipped this mast that went up to the ceiling. Um, it was a pretty cool statement, yep. uh, but also it was just funny to me that we made something in the driveway <laughs> and yeah. then shipped it to Gen Con. Nice. Um, I think there's a lot of just, I have very fond memories of pirates. I think the team was always awesome. Um, and we really worked awesomely together and, uh, I don't know. I love those guys. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard similar from Mike Selinker and the other guests on the podcast recently. It sounds like a really awesome experience overall. So I'm going to get to another question. This one, uh, this is another blast from the past. And I found it through someone, another super collector, uh, screen name of Holoferns, talked about it at Miniature Trading a while back. Then I, I found it, like, earlier this year. Um, he said there was something to be, like, a 15th set. And he quoted you in the uh, forum uh, reply that he, where he was talking about it. So I don't know if you remember what the 15th set is. What did I say? Uh, what was that? <laughs> what did I say? Well, that's the thing. Well, that's the tough part because I think it's gone now. So actually, miniature trading was basically like the best forum for pirates um, for like a decade, basically. Once WizKids closed down, they closed the forums down and everything like that. And then miniature trading actually just shut down on July 1st of this year, just like three weeks ago. Um, so, and I, I'm looking at my forum post where I talked about it. The link, uh, I'll make sure the link is, the link is dead, but um says, post by Holoferns at MT Miniature Trading, quoting Tiffany O'Brien saying there would be a 15th set planned for after Return to Savage Shores, predicted to be released around September 2009. And I think there wasn't much else that he quoted you as saying. I think it was a brief post, but... Yeah, I mean, likely we... I mean, we were always making things um, ahead of time. So uh, I think when I left, I had everything kind of in the all ready to go for the next set. And so before Mike and I uh, left, we had everything ready. So we probably put um, a set together and then they decided not to make it. So a lot of the things towards the end of the my time at WizKids was a lot of putting things together to make sure that when they had a smaller team, they could still uh, make games and do fun things. So I'm, I'm positive that we had everything ready, but I don't know. It's probably just in spreadsheets, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I probably 
wrote all the packaging and everything and all the creative documents for it so that, um, you know, the creative briefs so that whoever needed to, I, I think Shane Hartley was still there, but maybe he was leaving at the same time I was leaving. I think there was, I, I can't remember who was left. There was only like 10 people left when we left. So, um, that's why we wanted to give, give everybody the best chance of keep, of keeping everything going when we left. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm wondering if Holo Ferns had it, uh, confused with return to Savage Shores, which was like the 14th set that was like planned, but unreleased. And then we actually got the stats and whatnot from that, uh, from Wolf, Kyle Wolfel, who, uh, you had like a little bit of contact with in terms of the rules because he was the rules arbitrator and he's actually, he signed up in my forum. So, so it's possible that that set, maybe there wasn't a 15th set, but the 14th return to Savage Shores we do have now. Um, it's been out since like 2012, basically when Wolf wanted to uh, release it basically. So interesting. Uh, that's the last one I remember. Yep. <laughs> okay. So if there was something after that, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Good to know. Uh, how did you get out? Of, <laughs> how did you get out of pirates? Other than you know, they just got shut down. <laughs> um, I, mean, I think I have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't really have a choice. Yeah. Uh, no, I. Um, yeah, we. The Whiskids was winding down, um, so I had. I had a couple months notice of um, when I got um, laid off. And then um, I don't know, I, this is probably more information than you need, but uh, I had to get my gallbladder removed and I had two weeks where I couldn't watch anything that was super funny. And so I watched uh, seven seasons of Smallville in two weeks and then decided I wanted to work at DC comics and maybe meet Tom Welling. So um, so that's what I did when I left WizKids was, uh, go to work at DC Comics. Um, and so I had plenty of time to find a job and be ready to, uh, go to my next thing, uh, which was super awesome. And, you know, I was sad that, you know, WizKids changed so abruptly. Um, but I think, you know, it's in good, you know, it's in good hands with Justin. He's a really good guy. And yeah. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. So you said your last day was like a week before it got shut down. I just find it fascinating how quickly it happened, like November 2008. And of course, this was during the financial crisis, basically. Because um, Savage Shores was released November 5th, and then Top shut down with kids November 10th. So if you said a week before, your last day would be like, a day or two before Savage Shores came out. So it's kind of crazy. Oh, I think it was happened. like my last day was, yeah, I think my last day was on a Friday. And then on Monday, everybody came in and they had decided to shut down the Seattle office. So um, they, and they had a week to um, pack everything up. Yeah. So I, I do think, I, I don't know. They must have, changed their minds about um, what they wanted to do with the company. And, it, you know, WizKids was always, we were part of Tops, but we were also allowed to do our own thing. Um, so, you know, Tops has had their priorities. And um, if nothing else, like I thought what would happen would they would shut down in, in Seattle and then move it to New York so that everybody would be in the same place, you know? Yep. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, that makes it was sense. abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a surprise. Yeah. Um, but maybe you know, not terribly difficult once you had, um, once we had kind of wrapped everything up. Right. So once we left, we had put it into a place where it could kind of be run by a very small team and so um, they had plenty of time during that time to, to make different decisions. Yep. Nice. Are there any things you would change in hindsight or no? Um, I think we changed a lot of things on our way. Um, how we did the production process, how we reviewed things, um, even things that were simple, like um, 
how we name, named our files before we um, sent them to production. Because I think uh, just to make sure that things were actually their final finals, because I think there was a, a set where a couple of the ships were printed um, backwards. So like when you read this ship name, it yeah. was uh, reversed. Yeah. Uh, and I think we fixed it. It's printing, right? But um, those things, even though we had so many eyes looking at everything to make sure that there were no mistakes. Um, so even on the print proof, it was correct. And then uh, because of just the way that we named our files and then shipped them, um, things got reversed and then printed incorrectly. So those things I wish hadn't happened. <laughs> but, you know, you learn from things. Yep. So. Uh, we identified what was wrong and then we, we fixed them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Yeah. I do remember, uh, USS Oregon from Ocean's Edge is kind of infamous cause it's, it's not that great of a ship to play in the game. And one of the hull pieces is like the name is backwards or whatever. Um, but I think, I, know the word. <laughs> I think that's the only one I've seen that's backwards. So most of the others must've gotten fixed as far as I, at least as far as I know. So. Yeah. Talk about like a sinking feeling. Like yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, everything's crazy. What happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, like, I didn't approve this. This is not what happened. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And there's one. I mean, I want to talk about negative stuff much, but um, <laughs> there was like the first print run of Davy Jones' Curse. People have found like uh, dirt in the packs and stuff like that, and it was like the one where like the lamination process wasn't finished properly or something like that because like the paint comes off the ships easily and stuff like that but then it was fixed really well in the later print runs of Davy Jones Curse so so that's another example of uh you know improving over time so you you just try to fix it as much as you can and move on I can't dwell on everything right oh yeah yeah no kidding uh the next one is just a really kind of a grand question it made Mike Selinger laugh and it's that's just really open-ended, but where did things go wrong with Pirate CSG overall? Do you think a lot of things went wrong with Pirate CSG? No, I'm talking about, no, no, no. I love the game more than pretty much anyone. Um, I'm talking about like going out of print and like reasons why it had to go essentially or not be produced anymore. I mean, I, I, I really think it was a cost. There was cost issues. Yeah. I think it was a, it was um, not a good time for anybody. Um, and even in like 2008, 2009, the game industry was being hit really hard. Um, and collectibles and trading, like trying to get a trading card game out at that time or trying to get anything out of that time was really difficult, right? So and at, at the time, Pirates was the third most successful uh, or selling uh, successful uh, trading card game, if you were putting it into the trading card game uh, category, right? So it was like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh! and then uh, Pirates. And wow. so it had amazing placement. It had, um, I mean, it was really it, just the fact that you were able to see the ships and the packaging was huge. So it had nothing to do with whether or not people still wanted to buy pirates or still wanted to play pirates. I think there came a point in which um, production was just too hard. Like the, the gas prices were too high and to make it profitable was too hard. And, and maybe if, WizKids um, had stuck around, like maybe if they had just said, okay, let's focus on Heroclix and Pirates, you know, maybe they could have kept it going. I don't know, right? But um, I think they had to make some choices. And so Heroclix was always um, their big cash cow, I guess, right? Um, So... I don't know. I don't know if we, I don't know if we, I don't know if I could have done anything differently to keep it going once um, a company decides to shut down. Um, And even later, like if there was an opportunity, I, I tried to help as much as possible as, you know, 
sharing all the uh, expertise and knowledge I had if they wanted to get it up and going. Um, but I think, you know, it's not as, as feasible as it once was. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. Interesting to hear it was third in trading card games, because that would mean uh, it was ahead of Pokemon, I guess, which would be really impressive, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, uh, like, we probably sold too much for um, uh, Ocean's Edge. That was probably <laughs> where... It just was crazy, right? I think um, we should, I should have, even when, um, you know, Target and Walmart were like, no, we want all these SKUs. I should have been like, that is insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, please, like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen as many, like, just SKUs that I, that I had to make for that set, right? Like, there was probably 20 different SKUs. Mm-hmm. Um just because you had to have two different ones, one for Target, one for Walmart. Oh, there's three, right? Target, Walmart. And then there was a different one for just um, collectors. Um, so there was, it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had too many on the shelf, right? Because they thought it was amazing. And um, I don't think anybody could have bought that money. So if there's any <laughs> still being sold, it's probably <laughs> Ocean's Edge because that one. And yep. I was like, I thought it was fun to be purple, and then I never wanted to see purple ever again because <laughs> it was insane. Nice. Yeah, no, that's perfect because OE is, like, notorious in the community for being, like, really common and, like, really cheaply available. Uh, so, no, that's right on. Yeah. Well, that's we, great to hear about it. We made so many. But that's because the retailers thought that, I mean, they really, they wanted it, right? Nice. And. Um, and really felt like they could, um, you know, we, we had started to do, um, what is it? Gravity, uh, those gravity drops. Like you can, you can have them hanging by the trading cards. And so they would come down and we put like a lenticular over the front. Cause we had at first put like the built ships on top and then we had the lenticular so that at least when you, when you walked by, you could kind of see it moving, um, and then you could see the lenticular actually showed you how to put the ships together. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and which was great. But then we tried doing it with like the double packs, you know, in order to do the um, gigantic ships, you had to have that really large pack. And it was just crazy. There's just a lot of product being made. Um, but it did it. It's not like it killed the brand or anything. They sold a lot of it. Um, so that wasn't. Uh, it's not like it got backed up to the point where it was detrimental to the game. I think it just, we just made a lot of that particular set. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's good to hear. They wanted it. It's kind of funny that Target and Walmart were like going crazy for that set. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Um, they just wanted the next, right? So that's what ended up happening. Yeah. The, what was it they wanted? Sorry. They just wanted the next set. Right. So I think, um, because I think Pirates of the Frozen North that wasn't in mass market. I think Mysterious Islands was. Yep. Frozen North wasn't. Yep, that makes a lot. And of then sense. They, we did Ocean Edge. Yep, yeah, that makes a ton of sense because yeah. uh, South China so Seas, kind of- uh, South China Seas, and Frozen North are still the two most rare and expensive sets, pretty much. So, to the point where they're. Uh, pretty much the two sets that have appreciated in value. So South China Seas, if you can believe it, um, last year, a punched set, like all the ships were already built and punched out, a punched full set of South China Seas sold for like $482 just last year um, on eBay. So, yeah. And then, and then if you think about... <laughs> I definitely have like, not South China Seas, but I definitely have like a full case, unopened case yeah. of frozen north sitting in my garage so nice um yeah someone, someone <laughs> open those up yeah yeah someone yesterday <laughs> or the day before was uh on facebook was complaining about how they wish frozen north packs were more common because they've gotten they've gotten scarcer just in the past few years i actually bought a 36 pack box of fn back in 2014 for like 90 dollars, and then last year they were selling for like 175 dollars for 
36 pack box yep. and now they're like almost gone like you can't really find the booster boxes for the most part so um, so if you think about it those- the february the february releases didn't sell as well yeah. and so um it wasn't a good time for mass market and so we didn't sell them to the mass market interesting so if the release came out in um in february um we just did a smaller set yeah that's really good to know that's cool to yeah i never people haven't really known why um at least i don't think people really know why the sets are more scarce so that's good to hear a reason for it um and then yeah it's interesting thing about those sets appreciating in value because msrp of 399 36 pack box i think the msrp on a box therefore was like 143 something so so South China Seas and Frozen North are like the most expensive sets. Um, so South China Seas goes for, sometimes it's listed at like $10 or more per pack. Um, so that's one of the, that's the main set that you could make money on over time if you were collecting and then selling, you know, 10 years later, which of course is hard to predict back then. But anyway. Yeah. Um, what is your opinion on the effect of the 2008 recession and general economics of that time on the game? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I was saying, that um, gas prices were really high and um, a lot of people were, if they were in stores buying games, they were buying board games that they could play multiple times because um, they wanted, they wanted to save their money, right? And so board games were an easier sell than collectible games. So anything that you were trying to sell in, um, kind of 2008 and then definitely into 2009, uh, it was very difficult to do any kind of trading card or collectible game. Yep. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I actually messaged, uh, Dev Schlashinger of, uh, formerly Z-Man Games. Now he's with WizKids and he talked about like licensing issues, um, as a reason that pirates. Oh, what was that? Sorry. I don't know. I don't know of any licensing issues. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's been like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of convoluted because like wizards of the coast had some claim over the CSG name, um, a while back. And I don't know. It's weird, but do you think the game has a chance to come back in the future? I think if there was the right opportunity, um, and they could figure out how to make it affordable, I don't see why they couldn't, Make it again. Yep. Yeah, nice. Uh, do you think it would have a better chance coming back as a physical or a digital game? I always liked the physical more because I loved the constructible element. And um, I, I like it when people kind of sit at a table and, and talk to each other and play with each other. Um, so I ho- I would hope that it would come out as a physical game, um, I don't know what would be more successful. I just, I hope it comes up. If it comes back, that that element of putting the ships together was my favorite part. So I yeah. hope that's how it comes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Some people on the Facebook group have also talked about how they like building the ships more than playing the game. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I like how... I like how that gives, like, an extra dimension to the game. Like, literally, like, uh, you can build the ships, you can play with them, you can just collect them. They're, like, an awesome display piece just to put on your desk at work to, ha- like, start conversations about them. And some people use the ships in other, like, naval miniatures games. So I love how versatile the game is and how you can have fun with it way beyond just playing. That's a really cool part of it, I think. Yeah. Well, do you... So do you, like the pirate CSG because of the building part of it? Or do you just, do you like other pirate games? Um, I think I would, if I play them, I've just been so passionate about pirate CSG that I haven't really gotten to many other games. So for me, it's like all of it, basically. Like I, I do like collecting, I collected Pokemon cards as a kid. And then now, um, the past like seven, eight years, I've collected pirates. I love, I do like building the ships. Playing is pretty much my favorite part. Uh, especially playing like huge campaign games that last like a really long time because I've always been interested in naval history. So I love learning about like huge naval battles at sea and things like that. So I like to play big games of pirates that last a while to kind of 
sort of simulate um, some aspects of naval history a little bit. So, so for me, it's pretty much everything. And that's, I think, why I've stayed so passionate over the years is like, I never run out of content. Like I, I have a list of like, maybe 20 to 30 thread topics to post on the Pirate CSG forums. And I just do like one a week and I feel like I'll never run out because I think of more every <laughs> week. So I never run out of content. And like, yeah. I've already thought of more YouTube videos to make. So, so for me, it's everything. Um, other people have talked about how um, they didn't love the rules for pirates as much as other games, but then they were actually able to repurpose the ships and use them in other naval games like wooden ships and iron men is one of the ones i've heard a bunch of times um i have played merchants yeah. and marauders and i enjoyed it but i love how pirate csg is like an open world where you can just you can sail wherever you want and do whatever you want you don't have to you're not limited to like a board or like a hex grid system so so pirates is my favorite without a doubt that makes sense mm -hmm. um do you know anything about the patents? This is just getting into the legal quagmire. I don't know if you know anything about the patents and the disputes and whatnot. I don't know if you were privy to that when you worked it with kids or not. But my understand, like my memory of it is that um, there wasn't any like outstanding disputes over things. I think people had kind of figured it all out, and there wasn't lingering disputes um so i don't i don't know any like juicy gossip on it because yeah. <laughs> i think it was all buttoned up and um people had made sure that they had the patents they needed and um yeah cool yeah that makes sense uh as in terms of like your experience in the games industry over the years, have you ever had experience with patents for other games expiring and then afterwards being open to anyone reproducing the game if they wanted to, like maybe in the public domain? Um, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I feel like that's more of like a question than a Tiffany question. Yeah, that's fine. Who was it you mentioned? Sorry. I feel like Jordan would know more about all of that than I would. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I don't know how much you care about it either. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yep. Um, what was your contact with Kyle Wolfel like in terms of uh, the rules and stuff like that? Do you remember trying to answer rules questions yourself at all and stuff like that? Or did you consult like Definitely Kyle? Definitely not. Yeah. Mike Mulvihill would have done everything that had to do with the rules. Yeah. I wouldn't even try. <laughs> I know where my like limits are. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Do you remember having like rules questions when you would play or when you would teach people and then have to go to the pirate code, stuff like that to look it up? I mean, I, to this day, I still would just call Mike. Um, <laughs> and I'm the worst. Like I'll play games that people like have designed and I'll be like, I'm not going to read those rules. I'm not even going to watch like the video. I'm just going to call them and they can tell me how to play. So um <laughs> i'm kind of the worst okay. i want rules to be as easy as possible and if i can't figure it out with some pictures then i want someone else to figure it out and then teach me how to play yeah nice yeah that makes sense so more of a visual <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if i have to i will but I'd rather not and i think that's why like a lot of our board games like i would I liked that you could look at the Sura rules and just see, figure out how to play in a couple pictures or, you know, all of them. We were just trying to make it as easy as possible for people to start playing. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, the start here rules are pretty cool. You can get up and going like really fast and with only one pack. So I think that is a cool way to introduce the game and make it really approachable because it can get complicated. I've played a lot of like really complicated Pirates games where I have to consult the pirate code like multiple times and it slows down the game but yeah. i like it when it's more complicated just because uh i just find it more interesting and i've played pirates so much that simple quick games of pirates kind of bore me a little bit um i mean i still have fun playing of course but um i think just because of my experience level i like the complications of it as well so, so yeah but we'll, we'll it can, it no, can you go get ahead. more complicated great but yeah. to get people into the game at first i think it needs to be really easy yeah yeah, exactly. And I like how it is. I like how you can adapt the rules uh, based on experience level. And you, you don't even have to play with like ramming and boarding rules if you don't want. Just like the basic four actions and keep it really simple. Um, yeah. 
Wolf actually still updates the pirate code. He made a, the latest one was from December 2016. Um, and a, part of the reason for the, the new edition of the pirate code, which is like the rules, FAQ, frequently asked questions. Um, and like, I think one of the biggest reasons he had to update is because I play so much and I, I like basically get into <laughs> all these wacky situations where I come up with rules questions that um, either don't have an answer in the pirate code already or like, Sometimes the questions are like brand new that he's never seen before. Um, so he's actually still working on that. Um, we're not working on it now, but but he's still active in the community, which is cool. And he actually still, um, he, he still answers rules questions in uh, the rules thread, which is now at my, my Pirates with Ben forum. But uh, I think the pirate code yeah. would be a nightmare for you because it's, uh, it's at 64 pages and there's like no pictures. Yeah, this is so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would not enjoy that. Yeah. That's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nice thing is, um, I usually... What was that? Just start making up the rules. This is how we're playing now, house yeah. rules. Yep, yeah. Yeah, I still do that too sometimes. Because um, sometimes I disagree. He'll, he'll like, answer one of my questions in the rules thread and, and uh, Wolf will. And then I'll, I'll disagree and be like, I wish it wasn't that way. And it sometimes it can be kind of contradictory, but... The nice thing about the Parrot Code is, like, the PDF version, you can just use CTRL F to search it quickly for, like, keywords that would answer your question. Mm -hmm. So, and most of them are already answered in there. So, anyway, um, if Pirate CSG came back, would you want to return to it? I think if someone could get the band back together, um, I would certainly work with all of those people again, um, 100%, um, because I... I love the team. I'm all about the team. Um, but it's hard because everybody is all over the place at this point. And uh, it's hard to even just like get together for drinks. <laughs> Never yeah. mind. Get rid of everybody together. And we're all in such different places now. Um, but I would definitely work with everybody again, for sure. Nice. What are you doing now? Uh, I work uh, at Microsoft at 343. Uh, I work in the consumer products department for Halo. And so uh, my team works on all of the licensed goods. So um, books and toys and um, apparel. Uh, we also work on the Xbox uh, apparel. So I'm still in the game industry, but more in video games, but still get to work on all the physical product. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. Nice. Uh, it, you don't have to answer this one, of course, but where can people find you online? If they wanted to follow you, stuff like that. Um, I'm definitely on Instagram. Um, I think my surname is Scory Naffet, which is Tiffany rocks backwards. That's probably also what my Twitter handle is, but I don't remember. Yep. Nice. <laughs> it's usually scoring it. That's yep. how you can find me. Cool. Um, and then anything cool that you want to promote or give a shout out to? Mm. Um, I don't know. Um, I do know that Zach Weissman and Jordan Weissman are working on a pirates game. Um, I don't think it's, it's definitely not like C the CSG, but they're definitely putting a cool game together that, I assume will be released or they'll start talking about it in September. So you can kind of look out for that if you're into Weissman pirate games. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Other than that, no. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Nice. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I didn't know about that. So thanks for, thanks for mentioning that. I think I, I don't know if anybody knows about that. So yeah. I guess maybe I shouldn't have said it, but they're definitely working on it. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's all right. Um, you know, it, it's really relevant too, because the, the Pirates community might want to play that if they, they come out with something new. So that's really cool. And then finally, um, the last part, uh, we always have questions of the day for the audience. So anyone on the podcast can uh, ask one. So if you want to think of a, a question for the Pirates CSG audience, you can. It doesn't really even have to be about Pirates CSG. Um, and I actually haven't, I normally come up with one before the episode, but I actually forgot to today. So I'm going to go off the cuff 
and asked people if they played uh, the Sony online entertainment version. Um, I never played it, but I'd like to know who has and you know what their experience with it was. So, so if you want to ask a question of the day, you can. Um, I guess my question would be, what is everyone's favorite packaging? Like, which one was the coolest packaging? Nice. I love that. Do you mind if I answer now? <laughs> if I can, I don't know. Yeah, do it. Yeah, I like. Well, I'm I'm weird because I'm I'm super nostalgic. So I got in the game. I want to say basically right after. I think it was right after Crimson and Coast came out in 2005 because it was with the unlimited version of Spanish Main, and I found uh, two packs of Spanish Main randomly in a Fi store in a in a mall. And that was my introduction to the game. And my favorite sets are the first five up till South China Seas, because I think those were the best sets and kind of the most historical or whatever. So my favorite packaging is Spanish Main with the two ships fighting at sea. Um, but I'm pretty biased towards the nostalgic side. I would say Revolution is amazing, too, with the big tall ship just heading straight out of the pack, basically. That one is one of my favorites as well. So I will say that in general, I love the artwork, not just on the ships, but the but the pack art too, I think has been really cool um, from start to finish. I think that's one of the cooler things about the game as well. It really draws you in because you see, you know, you see Pokemon, baseball cards, um, and like Yu-Gi-Oh! and other games. And then you see like a, a sailing ship in like on this beautiful water. And it's like, ooh, this sounds, uh, sounds pretty unique. So I remember... You know, getting packs from for the a store. while. It, like if you actually went to the store for a long time, people if you asked them what their favorite set was, they would just tell you the color. So if it was like they would have the sets kind of behind the counter because they didn't want people stealing anything, and so they would just be like, "Give me two of the red ones, or two of the brown ones, or you know," and so we started having to make the colors very unique because in some cases people didn't remember what they were called. They just remembered the color. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I love the color of the cards too, especially some of the early sets with the distinctive like red and blue and green Crimson Coast, yeah. Tennessee, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah I cool. love stuff has held up really well over the years too. My, like some of my ships, I've got like an enterprise American ship from 2005 from revolution. that's still holding up well. And I've used it in like probably oh. dozens of games at this point. So the, the ships are pretty durable over time too. What are you saying? Oh, for sure. Yep. Nice. All right. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, this was Pirate CSG podcast yeah. number 45. And uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you again later on.